Welcome to an episode of CASBL Radio. This is Kyle. And joining me today is none other than Drizzy from the Lions. He has a little uh, fun word game so that we can go through each team, kind of discuss what's going on tonight. So uh, welcome, Drizzy. How's it going, Kyle? Thanks for having me. You know, it's pretty bad uh, Troy couldn't be here tonight, but we're going to try to uh, fill his shoes, although it's not going to be easy to do that, obviously. No, not at all, and I'm definitely not the the host that he is. So I will try to keep the transitions as smooth as he does. Um, I know he wanted to be here tonight, but I know that he had the ability to spend some time with his kids and, you know, family comes first. So we will power on. Um, you know, before we get started, what is your outlook? I know we're going to go team by team, but what's your outlook going into the season? Uh, you mean for the Lions, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, we've been sort of staying the course for a while now, and the time was coming, and, you know, talking to you a little bit behind the scenes and uh, to others as well, the, the, the whole plan was, you know, how do we compete but also keep the assets we need to eventually go in for that movement? You know, so some people will say that, you know, why are you keeping a guy like a Jovi around? Why are you keeping, you know, Shabazz around? Could you get more value for him than, you know, when Wheeler was there, he was like your your fourth wing. And the truth is just no real offers came up that were going to elevate us to the next level. You know, we had chances to um, get guys who would maybe make us better in the short term, but I didn't feel like ultimately we'd have the same uh, in terms of trade chips. So, you know, we finally added that piece in terms of TIG and, um, you know, the Raptors are no joke and I don't even want to think about the teams out in the Maynard because they're obviously daunting as well. So we're just hoping that Craig is the piece that can put us over the Raptors and, uh, and the other teams in the Landros. And, you know, if we can get to the finals and stay healthy, then we'll worry about that uh, when it comes. Well, you know, you set yourself up and last year, I think we had a pretty good final four. And I think if, you know, without putting a name to it, if you were to talk to most GMs, maybe outside of uh, the ones in Pacer land and the one in in uh, Atlanta, that, you know, the top, there's four top teams and there's two on each side. I think that it would be a real shock. I said this, you know, on, on Troy's pod last night, It'd be a real shock if uh, it wasn't those four in the conference finals. And- yeah, I don't think – and I think that's still going to be the case. I think in Maynard – I mean, obviously – Matchups happen and injuries happen. So, you know, we'll see what happens with all that. You know, out in Landros, we'll go through the teams. But off the top of my head, I mean, Bubbles is always, you know, fun with his DCs. So you never know what could happen. The Celtics have some talent, but probably not well-rounded enough to be at that level yet. Out in Maynard, you do have the Heat, um, who will try to throw a wrench in things. but And the Thunder, of course. But, yeah, I agree with you. Like, if you had to bet, that seems like a pretty safe bet. Right. All right, so let's let's get into it. We're going to go, you know, standard right down the, the standings. And uh, I'm just kind of going to kind of lead you into to what you're doing. And basically, I'm going to react after the fact. All right. Yeah, let's do it. So so um, I'll say that this was, you know, we came up with this working with the Warriors GM. So I want to give a big uh, shout out to SCDN. Um, you know, basically what we're doing today is a three word game. We're going to kind of sum up um, one aspect of a team's season outlook in three words and 
you know, we're going to use that as a, as a launching point to uh, have some discussion about that team. I will say that some of these, you know, puns, if anyone knows the things that the Warriors GM uh, tends to come up with, um, you know, sometimes you have to see them in writing. So this will be posted. You won't always be able to understand, but I'll do my best to explain it. So we'll talk with, we'll start off with the Celtics and the, you know, for the Celtics, the words are Boston Tray Party, which is a play on Boston Tea Party. And, you know, the whole question with the with the Celtics is, you know, they made a move, which, you know, you guys talked last night about how maybe the Celtics, you know, questioning some of their moves. They acquired Trey Franklin. And, you know, I think the question for them moving forward is, is Trey Franklin going to be the third guy that they can pair with Hamilton and Strawn? So what do you think about that? Oh, well, first of all, you know, I don't know these ahead of time. The only one, the only one I know ahead of time is the Raptors, just because I needed some kind of idea because I wasn't, it wasn't Troy leading the podcast. Yeah, yeah, we're doing these all blind. We're doing these yeah. all blind. So the only one I know is the Raptors, and the, I, if this is the start, this is going to be fun. So yeah. um, I will say, as someone who I, and I think that when I don't go as extreme as Bubbles as not liking Franklin. But I do think that he has issues come playoff time. And I'm not looking for the guy that's going to go 18 and 12 with three blocks in the regular season on 58%. Like, I don't know what he did in the playoffs last year. It doesn't, it's not up here. But I would guess that he was significantly worse. And what that's going to do, you know, from a, perspective is it gives you false hope it's almost like what a congo was what cameron was like they would they were trapped Mm -hmm. come playoff time now i do think trey franklin as a third as a third guy to a team is way better than him being your main source now when you so obviously everyone knows how i value players what do you what do you see in franklin you know, I know that you had hemmed and hawed about drafting him because he needed a big, but you just went with like best player available, right? As yeah, I went with the draft. Yeah, and that's who I like. I thought he was like a Julianis type. Yeah, and, you know, when I look at Trey, obviously he's gotten better since draft night. There's enough there to entice me. You know, I share your concerns about the outside and drive defense for sure come playoff time. I do like the fact that if I'm not mistaken, he is four or five eligible. So you know, what I'd be looking to do is I'd be looking to get another guy who's four or five eligible who um, plays defense and I don't need him to do too, too much else. You know, I know Robert, they have Roberts, but he can only play center. And what that does is it allows you to mix it up come playoff time where you can potentially try to hide Franklin depending on who you're playing or at least try to match him up with someone who is predominantly a post-offensive player. And so, I mean, he, he scores at a high enough rate can be efficient he rebounds he blocks and he can play in the post so he kind of does everything I want my big to do except defend so that's how I'd be looking to balance him I mean you don't need too much more star power on this team I'd like for them to get better at point guard I know that's been an issue in the past um, that's been talked about and I'd like for them to get a big who's four or five eligible Uh, what do you think about that yeah I you know I I think that they're still young so he doesn't like have to go out there and really make a big move right now. Like if it's not there, don't force it. Don't go get somebody that doesn't actually fit. Like when the Kings went and got Jasper as good as Jasper was, if he didn't resign, it was like a, 
it would not a big miss because at some point you have to use those players and those picks, right? Yeah. But you know, at some point, getting getting a guy in like you said that that can defend that pairs with Franklin. Like the problem with Cameron, the problem with Roberts is you know Franklin's going to be your power forward. So come playoff time, you know exactly what's going on. Right. So yeah, and I mean, like you said, Hamilton and Strawn super promising, but probably not ready right now anyway so no need for them to rush and do anything right they're a playoff team and they could be a pain in the ass in a playoff series but i don't think we're looking at you know some uh team that we can expect to to really put a debt into the lions or the raptors without an injury yeah yeah they're definitely progression watching and just looking to extend these guys who's rfa is coming up yep. soon so all right so yeah, why we're, don't... we're heading on we got the Cavs next take it away all right, so I'm going to send you uh, the Cavs one. You know, try to keep this going fairly efficiently, but try to get through these because I think some of these are pretty fun. So, you know, the thing for the Cavs is um, is Hancock the new hero? That's the three-word game. You know, Hancock and Myers are, you know, kick-starting this rebuild. I know previously you had joked with KJ, like, just give me the progression for Myers. I don't really care about the others. We know that, you know, like we talked about on the pod yesterday or like you guys discussed, you're going to be patient. You're not going to be rushing this rebuild. Why don't uh, you take it away with what you're thinking going into the season? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be trying Hancock between small forward, power forward. I'm going to be trying him at 2-0-I, negative 2-0-I. Just kind of see what, what he is. Um, I'm excited because we've had this discussion with Goulet on the pod before about do steals translate at the big position and he's mm-hmm. got, he starts with 75 steel at 18 years old i mean even if he gets minimal by the time he's 25 you're looking at like a 95 90 95 steel guy mm-hmm. like small forward power forward he's already got a defensive base so he's not going to be my centerpiece and there's a chance he's not he's traded because he just doesn't fit i have but I'm just willing to see what he is. I mean, I know what Myers is. If he doesn't get bumps, he won't even get an RFA offer from me. Like, yeah. He's just not a guy I typically like. Would I like him off the bench? Sure, but I'm not going to sit here and pay him as my first guy that I'm paying going into a rebuild. I think that's what some teams do. If you ever look at these like rosters, that's kind of what the Rockets did with more. They paid him because he was like the first guy on his team. And if he had just cut bait with him, he would have been in such a better spot. So I'm not going to sit there and I'm not going to be like, oh, well, Myers might be something. I'm not going to worry about that. Yeah, that's a that's a tough thing to do, you know, in a rebuild. Um, you know, one one thing people call it sometimes is wish casting, where you, you, you see a guy and, you know, you pick him at a high spot. I think like years ago, I picked Oliver Toberg at like the sixth spot. And so you're expecting, you know, you're wishing. Sometimes you just have to take a sober look at it and be like, you know what? I whiffed on the pick. It just, it just happened. And, um, or yeah, the guy started and, and, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to pay him like a superstar when he's not one, not saying that these guys aren't superstars, but you, you'll have to see. Right. Well, and I think that that's the fun game with RFA is that, all right, we know if the guy's a max guy, he's getting a max contract and like, can you know, like, didn't Kem sign a really good contract recently? Like, can the GM figure out a contract that, like, is better than the max, you know, five-year offer, but still, you know, he's getting a discount? But it's sometimes these guys that are, like, you want to keep around, but, like, 
if you don't offer them enough money, they're just going to take the qualifying offer. But if you offer them too much money, you're kind of stuck with them. So, like, it's like a weird um, catch-22 sometimes because I think guys either want the max or they're just not going to take an offer, really. So, you can't really offer an RFA, like, $8 million a year to your own guy. He's just going to yeah, take the Yeah. I, I mean, we've seen one or two guys, but it's usually, you know, pretty um, pretty mid-level guys. Like, I think the Bucks on um, – I can't even pronounce his name. Mevlia? Or maybe that was UFA. Maybe I'm mixing that up. But – you know, they were able to get a guy for eight, nine million. I don't think that was RFA. I might be I might be confusing myself there. But yeah, typically the RFAs don't take the the low level offers. Right. So I, you know, I don't really have much to talk about with my team. I, I said I've said it, you know, I'm not somebody that even will look I'll look at like what Hancock does and I'll probably just check Myers out and like I'm starting Davies, who's like a second year guy. But outside of that, like I have real like I could care less if Monero does anything this year. Like he's not going to be on my team next year. Like people have all these, Oh my God, I need to see what this guy did. I need to see, you know, I don't have that. Yeah. So, all right, moving on. We got Denver. All right. So Denver. So as I've just sent you, you know, we got our own little chat going where I'm sending you these live as we go. You've never seen these before. So the, the question nuggets are, you know, mile high misfits. And, you know, it's kind of going along this theme of do these pieces, fit together they definitely have talent there was some talk a couple of years ago like why did they add Dwayne Carter but obviously he's got talented he's talented but do the pieces fit together what do you think about that well first of all the name is perfect because it is kind of like misfit they have some young kids because they they had like four first last year right they got that Peterson guy in the top in the top 10 who like he kind of just does nothing but like he's weirdly well-rounded and the fact that like he kind of reminds me, is he like, who's that guy I, I saw pretty high, I ended up trading him. Is he like Junior Patterson to you? Yeah, that's actually a really good, Patterson had better rebounding, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I feel like Peterson's kind of stuck in this, like, 30, like, he's 33-47. Like, even if he progresses, like, we're not looking at this, like, massive rebounder. So, you, you do have to take that into account. But he is only 19. And, like, he already has a de- decent defensive base. He gets blocks. Like, he doesn't get steals. So, he, like, doesn't necessarily appeal to me. But the blocks are nice. And if he can get a little bit more volume, like, you know, if he ends up being, like, a 53-50 guy with, like, some rebounding and, like, can defend both positions, like, he's something. I mean, he, he's a guy you wouldn't mind being on the bench for $4 million on, like, a playoff team. But, like, he was taken ninth overall. Like, you're – like you said, you're almost hoping that he's better than what he's going to eventually be, right? Like his ceiling is not what you what some of these ninth picks are. Yeah, exactly. So you know, but you, you know, Jamie also, I keep an open I, I keep an open mind to it because I know that he values players differently than I do. Like some of the things when we when we talk trade or when we talk about players, I, I find that. We never go too in depth about it, so I don't know exactly what he looks for, but I, I do think that we value players differently for sure. I don't know if you've talked to him much. I talk to him all the time. I, I um, you know, we talk sports, we talk batting, um, and then on top of you know KVBL, we're also in a baseball league, so okay. we talk about that too. And just he has a very different mind. I think so. One of the things that I've learned about him is that he doesn't care who does it, but he likes to have all categories covered. So mm-hmm. if Peterson's not a rebounder, but he has a big rebounder somewhere else, he doesn't worry about re- 
Peterson's lack of rebounding. And if he has one guy that gets 100, like, say he had Andre Brown, he would never worry about steals for anybody else. So, like, oh, I, I think that, like, I think, like, he has a threshold that he tries to meet on his team that starts, what, whatever that threshold is. And You know, it's funny you say that. That makes a lot of sense looking back now because him and I were talking trade when he was drafting. I think he was picking sixth in that draft where it was uh, DeGrasse and Franklin, and I was – I was throwing offers at him to try and get the sixth pick. You know, I was throwing out Hercules and a Jovi and, you know, picks that I had at the time and he just wasn't budging. And the reason is that Reina fell and he really liked him. Uh, and I guess that makes sense. Like probably because Reina does things that point guards don't normally do. And so I guess he was trying to add that unique skill set based on what you're saying. Right. And again, it's something I wouldn't think of. And it's something that like I have a very particular skill set for point guards. So I don't worry necessarily about rebounding, but Reyna rebounds. And so what that's going to do for him is now he doesn't have to worry as much about Peters. So it's just a different way of thinking. Like even his center pain is atrocious. He's a worse rebounder than Peterson. Oh, yeah. You know, so like it's it's an interesting way of building. Now he's made a final and he's made a bunch of conference finals. You know, he's always gotten – but he's never had like that one move that like put him over the top. He went and got Zion, but he was still like short a guy. Yeah. So it, it'll it be interesting to see because, like, he's kind of in a weird spot because, like, Dwayne Carter is 28 and expiring. Steckley is 35 expiring. But, like, he, he has his picks, but he's probably going to be playoffs this year. Payne's about to get paid. Like, I guess my question is, and this isn't, like, a, a shot at him because, like, but wh- where is he going with this? Because he's very – he's dangerously close to, like, the, the middling on – being doing what the Lakers did for four years of being like a six seed and doing nothing in the playoffs because he doesn't have the firepower to compete and like match up, but he's like a good enough regular season team. Like he has enough volume on his team that he's going to blow out teams like me. Like he's never going to get a bad loss to me because he has guys that shoot and score. I'm going to, yeah, yeah, you know, the, the moving forward, he's still, I mean, he's got, he signed Verona who I, I had last year. I think he's a guy who um, obviously gets a ton of steals, but, you know, I don't think gives you too, too much. And he signed him for two years and then he's got Floyd Anthony. You know, I will say though, after this year, at least his situation improves in terms of cap. I mean, just eyeballing it, it looks like he'll have cap space. Yeah. It's going to be pretty close. Uh, it's going to depend. He has nobody. Uh, well, no, he's got to pay pain this off season though. Oh yeah. So, and then Reina the following year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if he has cap space, he's not going to have max. We're looking at what I would assume is probably like around 10. So he'll probably sign another guy. And then he's kind of capped out because he'll have to keep paying all these, all these young guys. But he did, he did draft that Memphis McCray guy to play shooting guard for him. So like that, I'm assuming Carter starts and McCray is going to be like the guy next year, but it's at least something he's got that guy, Trey branch who like, if he ever figured out how to shoot straight from two, would be like a really interesting player as like a yeah. but if it's me i'm taking anything um and you know everyone's got their own ways of building their teams and like i said jamie and i value players differently so you know i'm not really taking shots at him i'm just you know saying what i would do i would have liked to see them keep um i forget the name of the big they let walk um remember his name actually the one that the yeah. laser signed 
Yeah, yeah. Ackley. Unfortunately, the Nuggets have a strict no vaccination policy, and Ackley wanted to get the vax, so he had to he had to walk. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, but on a serious note, like if it's me, I'm taking any expiring I can get. Um, in terms of trying to flip Anthony, and I would take any value I can get for Carter, but that's assuming that he wants to tank. Like as we guys talked about on the pod, some people want to compete, and that's totally fine. Um, you know, you and you and I, I think, do things differently. So. You know, if they want to compete and try to see what they can do with this squad, then then that's totally fine. Well, while I agree with what you're saying, there's no way he cannot make playoffs with how bad some of these teams are in Landros. Yeah, like the Cavs, the Rockets are at at a risk of making the playoffs, even though they sold Tig, because the the Cavs, the um, Lakers, the um, Grizz are three guaranteed lotto teams. Now, the Hornets are better. The Pacers are trying. The Bulls are better. The, so, in all likelihood, the Rockets are going to miss the playoffs, but that also leaves only one spot left for all these teams. Like, are the Nuggets really going to drop that much by cutting Floyd Anthony? Like, I, I don't know that they fall out of the playoffs Adding after adding McRae and his in pain got better. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it, when you break it down like that, I guess you're hoping to snag the nine or ten seed. So it's it's a little bit narrower than you'd like. But anyways, why don't we why don't we keep it moving? Yep. Um, moving right along. Yeah. So who's next? Uh, Houston. All right. So Houston, I'm sending it to you now. So the the three word game for the Rockets is Wayne Tigged off, which is obviously a play on uh, Tig. Wayne moves him. It's his first rebuild, and you know, he was ticked off because he was getting a lot of shit in the main chat, um, you know, and I definitely can, you know, understand that. Like it's, you know, there's guys who have differing opinions and I, I don't think that um, it's always like delivered in the best way. You know, it's a chat and everyone's spamming and there's a big trade. So I can see, you know, he doesn't strike me as a guy who um, likes that stuff or is okay with that stuff. So uh, I'm hoping that, that talk of him like leaving the league and stuff and not being as interested is just, you know, a blip because I think it's pretty rare to have guys who come in and win a title so quick. And, you know, when you look at yourself and Andre, you're now two of the most vocal active guys in the league. So the track record is pretty good on guys who come in and win quickly. Um, So hopefully he sticks around. I think, I think it'll be fun for him once he gets his new team um, in a couple of seasons. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I've said in the past, like, I know him, and, like, definitely we talk a lot about the college game that we do, and he's, like, very involved with that, and he likes KBBL. I think that his big issue is he's a very much, like, um, you know, he grew up, he was a he was in the Army, he was kind of very, um, like, I don't want to say strict, but, like, like, very like regimented. regimented. That's the word I'm looking for. And I think that the unknown of, like, KJ just not responding for a week after the draft, even like letting us know like, hey, RFA might be a week. Like he just didn't say anything for fucking seven days. I think it mm. drove Wayne crazy. On I got top it. of the fact that he was trading TIG at the time. So I think that that all coupled up, like I think once the season starts, I, I think it's hard for people to leave. I think a, an off season, I said this to Andre. I mean, we had the draft on uh, I think the 17th of sep- or the twentieth of September, and you know we're we're at, we're simming on the seventeenth of October for Sim One, 
So it's just Watch. like a long off season of just like a lot of bullshit. And then he traded his star. Like he hasn't had that before. So I think it was just a lot. And then he's not, he's, he's been praised in the chat since he got here. So I think it's the first like negative effect. Oh yeah. I mean, I think everybody jumped on him. Ironically, the last time he did a trade with me, people jumped on him as well. And that one, you know, worked out with, for him with McFarland. And I, I think that when you, when you talk about GMs who are patient versus not, definitely with some GMs, you see more patients, guys who are willing to wait out builds. But when you have something like this, where an off season takes a month, it definitely makes it harder because real time, you know, you're going to be waiting a crazy amount of time if, if one season is taking this long and then potentially you're in a build for five seasons. So I think that, like you said, kind of weighed on him as well because he's like, well, how many months am I going to suck? Especially when I've been winning basically since I got in the league. Well, and I think that that's why I know that it took a while for you guys to like actually finish that trade because I think that was really weighing on him is if he yeah. really wanted to sit there and just – but he, he said to me, he's like, I'm out of the – title hunt like i can't win so he's like what am i gonna do be good enough for three seasons and then do this he's like i might as well just do it now so i think he'll yeah. be back i mean he still has some pieces that like i think he could move like i'm sure as the season comes on like somebody will come calling for cosby or or watson yeah i think he needs to figure out the ufa game a little bit more like on top of the more deal, he like paid Sorath an absurd amount of money, and he's not good. So like I I don't know like he paid him six point five million for six years it looks like if you click on his page yeah oh god that's an awful contract <laughs> you're cringing audibly cringe cringing yeah oh man that yeah hurts. you know and some of this I think is just there's growing pains I mean for a guy who he made. A couple contract mistakes, but I think everyone did when they first got in the league, and oh. he still managed to win a title. And I, I think, like you guys said, if Tig hit a higher, like the ceiling that we were expecting him to, kind of like the Lou comparison, Lou Fernandez, yes. I think he he would have had two. Yeah, I think he still should have had two. It's I still don't know how he. Gulai said this last night. I still don't know how he lost to the to the Wolves. The Wolves oh yeah, didn't have a. But is what it is. So. We are ready to move on. Keep this going so we're not talking all night. Yeah, I really like this one. What's the next team? The Bucks. So the Bucks is the the Nutty Professor, which is a play <laughs> on, you know, the Nutty Professor Hercules and um, and oh man, I, I can't remember his name now. Uh, Prodder. Prodder. So they get Prodder and they get Hercules. They get bashed a little bit for it. You know, Bubbles was like, I'm going in the tank. He puts up the trade block. He's like, let's let's break this thing down. And I guess either he didn't get the offers that he wanted, which I'm guessing was the case because, you know, Bubbles isn't shy about making deals or he just decided, screw it, like, let's keep treadmilling. So uh, let's see how the season goes for them. What do you think? Well, um, I think that he, he knew he either had to add scoring or rebuild, that this team had kind of run its course. Um, so he went out and he was able to do that. And I think this is probably his best team in 10 years. Um, as far as like the ability to do everything to match up with a bunch of stuff, like Pete and Kowalta at small forward, power forward is just a pain in the ass. You don't know who's going where on top of the fact that you have Prater and Hercules. And then let's not forget Rothschild won an MVP like two years ago. 
So, I mean, yeah. it was probably like four years ago now, but you get my point. Yeah, and, you know, there were guys like, I think, Omer and some others maybe didn't like the trade. Um, I'm not so fussed about it because, and we'll get to the Warriors, but, you know, I, I think the Warriors, for them, from their perspective, the move made sense because they're like, why not take a shot on these picks? We're not good enough anyways. But from the Bucks' perspective, you've got quite a few teams that are bad in Landro, so I don't think they're worried about making the playoffs. And I quite like Prodder personally, and Hercules is good too. So I... I think this is shaping up to be a nice season for them. Are they in that top two in the conference? Probably not, but nobody wants to play them. No, and that's the thing. I think that they, you know, we're not doing the the full preseason pod tonight, but if I had to put betting chips down, they would be my three seed, and I think pretty handily too. Yeah. Um, And I think that they could push 60 wins. And I think the difference that you're going to see is that they're not going to lose – games to like like I beat them last year like 72 69 I'm not doing that this year like he's not not scoring so I think that you know I overstate this in the pod but like when you have offense you don't lose weird games like in the regular season Mm -hmm. it's it's very hard to explain what I mean but like it's why a Congo was always like a 62 win guy because they would never lose a game to like the teams that were tanking where like bubbles was good for four or five of them a year. Like one, one game of sin, he would just have like a bad loss, like a non-playoff team loss. And those would hurt him. And, you know, he'd have to go through these juggernauts and not just yeah, even on my current build, I think people were giving me shit for, you know, tanking and this and that. And I was, I, I obviously we were, we weren't making the playoffs. Look, there's a difference between, tanking and just not having the talent on your roster now that can be intentional but to me tanking is like when you put out a shitty dc because there has to be a way to differentiate between guys who are purposely not playing their best guys and guys who are purposely not signing good players so because to me if you're hiding guys on your roster that's worse because you have the talent you're keeping it there to build with but you're not putting it out on the court Whereas if you just purposely don't sign guys who score, like before I had the grass, I think I was missing, I, I missed the playoffs one year because we just didn't have anyone who would score. Nobody would take shots and you'll lose to teams that you shouldn't lose to. So if you're not trying to make the playoffs, it's definitely one way to go. Obviously not the case for the Bucks, but I definitely, I, I get what you're saying there. Yeah. And um, it's, it's funny because I do think that one thing that's undervalued in the league is just like, a high volume guy, even if he's not efficient, because it does lead to other stuff. If your team's well-rounded, you'll get more steals, which I think leads to fast break, even though I can't prove that. But my teams that have steals, my guys shoot better. If I add steals to a roster, I just shoot better because I think you just get more breakaways. I know it sounds so dumb, but that's just how I feel. And that's like, I can't ever prove it. I just, we play better with steals on our roster offensively so yeah I think, I think you're not alone there like defensive playmaking is definitely super va- like super valued in our league and i think that i'm definitely guilty of ignoring the transition offense transition defense uh one to nines right. uh, more than i should so yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. Good so well moving on down to the two-time defending landros conference champions and your biggest rival right now, 
we had uh, the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, so the question for the Raptors is, is the fourth window eclipsed? So, you know, you got Jericho um, coming in and uh, pairing up with DePaul, leading this team to just so close so many times. Um, the window is definitely still open, um, but you have to think that Chile is just itching at this point to get that fourth one, you know, before he decides to break this thing up. Yeah, I mean... I couldn't imagine. I lost one, one series to get to four, and it like ate at me. So I can only imagine what he's gone through. I think this is his fourth. To, it, it, he had he said four series, three series, no four series. He could have gotten to four, two against yeah. the Kings, and now the last two. He he, had, he played that Kings dynasty with Lou, and he made two finals and lost them both. And, you know, I, I mean, there's not much to talk about his team. The thing that he did do is went out and got Miner, who has just been steady for years. Like, like he's never a guy that I don't think I, – I don't know how the Hall of Fame really worked, but he's a guy you wouldn't think would go in the Hall of Fame. But, like, he's been on a lot of really good teams, all-league defense, all-league third team a couple times, all-league first team, all-defense all first team. Like – there's a real reason that, like, he, he – he's not going to be talked about because he's not like a – he doesn't get the numbers. Like, he's not averaging he's – had, he's had no season where he averaged nine assists. He's had no season where he averaged four steals. You know, like, nothing that, like, stands out. He's not a scorer. But, like, you put up these numbers for, like, a career. We're talking – he's played 1,300 games. He has 7.7 assists. I mean, we're talking massive, you know – amount of steals or assists. So like he's been very good. And I think they've been missing a point guard. This is going to make them very scary. Yeah. You know, just my luck that as soon as we're ready, he goes out and makes a move like this. I'm really big personally on uh, assist to TO ratio. I don't know if that's like an outdated stat or whatever, but I always look at that and it seems to work for me. And, you know, 7.7 to 2.0, that is excellent. Um, based on what I've seen, you know, and based on the resources they had available. They don't have a ton in terms of trade chips, but they managed to go out and and make that deal happen. So that's huge for them. I think he's going to really make them even better than they were last year. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I'm not one that looks at assist to turnover, but um, I've also openly stated I don't ever look at turnover. Yeah. I mean, everybody does it differently. Mine seems to work for me. So I just kind of stick with it. If, if, if I have to start looking, I will. But right now, I haven't had an issue in my last three rebuilds, so I'm not going to yeah. change it now. Yeah, if it's not, if it's working for you, just keep it going. And, and yeah. speaking of that, keep it going. Who's next? All right, we got the Hornets with Dan. All right, so this is one of those ones you're probably going to have to see in writing. But the the three word game for the Hornets is barely any buzz, and that's a play on their new rookie. Uh, I guess it's Bear is how you pronounce it, or I might be saying that wrong. But the Hornets have made a little buzz. You know, they've they've gone out and gotten some pieces that um, definitely add to the amount of talent they have. And the question is, is that going to put them in the playoffs? Probably. And if so, how much noise can they make? They're going to be – you're not going to want to see them because they can defend four positions rather stoutly. Um, Bear, in my my – 
I think we're going to look back and like Weber for the Pacers is clearly like the number one pick. And I would redo that in a second. And there was a lot of question of bear versus days for the Sonics. And I think in five seasons, we're going to look back and bear is going to be like that guy that just everybody wants. He's point guard, shooting guard, small forward or shooting guard, small forward. Power. No point guard, shooting guard, small forward. I think so. And he has like a very unique skill set, and he can defend all three positions already. And he's paired with a bunch of defenders, but he's going to help them shoot better. And then Dan did a really smart thing. Like I've always talked about this. He went out and got a Congo and he Congo's around all these defenders. So all he has to do is average 40 for them. And, and I'm being facetious, but like, Really, if he goes out and he averages 36, this team's going to be scary. Assuming that they get some points from Pendergast and Stubbs, you know, helps defensively. And Dugan is probably the one of the top five defenders in the league already. Like, they're very defensive-oriented. If he, if he goes out and he can get, like, a uh, kind of like what the Knicks have with Falsy off the bench, find, like, a bench scorer to play the wing, oh, good. Yeah, you know, it's so, so hard to project. I, I always struggle to, um, you know, project teams out compared to others when you're really nitpicking um, before I get to see, like, what their lineup looks like and I don't have depth charts and stuff in front of me. But just looking at the Hornets, I could see them actually moving up really high in the Landros. I know we're not doing over-unders today, but especially as a regular season team where you're not targeting a Congo, I think they could they could definitely win a ton of games. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that the thing is they're probably going to be trying a bunch of different lineups because they have a bunch of guys that they can move around, like Stubbs and Dugan both play small forward, power forward. Pendergast plays shooting guard, power point guard, and then Bear plays point guard, shooting guard, small forward. So you can do a lot with those lineups. My cat is pissed. I'm not letting him drink the water. Sorry. <laughs> so you can do a lot with those lineups. So I think that he's going to try that, and it might cost him some wins, but I also think that He's firmly going to be a playoff team. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, we'll so keep it going. Let's go. We have the Bulls next. KJ. All right. So the eight, three word game for the Bulls is another Bulls eight question mark play on bullseye. And that's just the Bulls hitting the eight seed, I think, for two years in a row. And the question is are they going to hit it again? We you know they kind of stay the course. They're waiting on Anthony to. You know, take the leap. He's gotten a little bit better. They've added some other pieces around them. But this is a team that, as we know, tends to just stay the course. So are, are they an eight seed again, or how has the conference moved uh, around them? They're probably six, seven, eight. I, I mean, the thing is, like, Anthony, as much as he's progressed, he's not progressed, right? Like, you're, he came in at, like, 50-50, 2 GA, and then percent. He hasn't really gone up. Like, I think they're most – like, I think a guy I would love to see take, like, a real leap is Davidson just because he has, like, that stretch ability. He's a pain in the ass to match up with. So, I, I mean, I think we're going to see about the same thing. Like, they're going to win. They're going to they're gonna win the game against you and the Raptors, but they're also going to lose a game against me. Like, it's going to even them out. They're probably right around a 40-win team again just with how weird the conference is. But, like, if you put them in Maynard, I think they're easily a, a lot of team. Yeah. Like, I just – I think you're right. Like, they're probably sitting at the 7-8 seed. And I think you're waiting on somebody to, to, to jump. Like, if I'm, if I'm him, I'm trading Majovic for somebody. Like, he's, he got that point guard 
Ivan Rush, and I know I I did this draft class, right? Yeah. Let me tell you, um, I built him around. Remember that guy Bach? Yeah, Bach from the old version. Yep. Yeah, he was a nine nine eight nine defender, but he he wasn't really <laughs> a passer. He was literally just a, a defender. And but he had like 140 steel by the time, and so I kind of built him around him, like with that in mind. And he's going to be a real pan- like I would trade Majovic. You don't need him. Like you have a point guard, 75 assists, 88 steals, 7839 on defense, and he's 21. Like yeah, sign me up. Um, I'd be I'd be playing him every day, and I think that you're going to get better. And go get a pick from Majovic or a pick and a player, you know something. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, obviously, the Bulls are a bit of a unique situation with the league ties, but this is a roster that, just looking at this, I feel like I'm just getting excited. Imagining if I was, if I had this roster, there's just so many pieces that could be enticing to guys in the league. If you don't want to build with them, if you if they're not part of your core, if the Bulls were a team that were not league run, I think they have a ton of pieces that they could go out and get value for or try to consolidate pieces and get, you know, some upper echelon talent if they really wanted to get in the mix of competing. Um, obviously, they're not going to do that, so it's a it's a moot point. But I agree with you on Anthony, too. You know, I went, as you know, back and forth about 500 times debating Anthony versus Bird, and I thought I blew it uh, after the rating came out uh, because Bird was, I think, two years older and had one less position of eligibility, and they looked fairly comparable other than like three-point shooting and rebounding and stuff. Um, but he just hasn't taken the leap yet. Um, I think, luckily, he's on the team with the most patient GM in the league, and he's never going to get traded. So um, he'll have plenty of time to get better. Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying that he's not great. I'm just saying that, like, he he's lost some of that luster because it has taken him a few seasons. Yeah, and the thing I was also watching with him and Bird was – which one of them will get the PD bump? Um, so far, neither of them have gone too high, but I, I think Anthony is three, four, five eligible. So if he ever was able to, if he ever gets like a seven or eight PD and you slide him to the big man spots, I mean, obviously right now they have Krantz and stuff, but I think he's even more of a weapon because, weapon because of how diversified he is with his offensive one tonight. Right. This is a team that like, I think that if, they kind of stay the course this year. They pick again at like 12, 13, 14, right? And then you just kind of see where you're at. Maybe next off season is the time to go make a move. You'll have yeah. that expiring with Mijovic to maybe like move some pieces around. Um, it'll be a year less. You have to worry about like the Raptors, which like that can go sour like any off season, right? Like one bad set of reg- regressions. Yeah. And, like, Eclipse could be not done, but like not what he is. And you'd like take one step back. Like even look at Simpson. Simpson took a step back. The Rockets weren't as good. They played the same team in the finals and lost because Simpson regressed a little. So like one little regression to like one of your big pieces and it could be game over. So I think that him waiting a year, you know, he makes the playoffs, doesn't make the playoffs. I don't think he cares either way. Yeah. All right, that's enough about the Bulls. Why don't we move on? Who's next? Yep, uh, we're on to Creasy and uh, the lovely Pacers. All right, so for Creasy, we've played around with a couple of ideas. You know, they got Toby Ward, and the, the three-word game for the Pacers is warding off betters. So, the, you know, the Pacers have a 
couple of bets going on. We know the next one is definitely active. I don't know if the, the bet with Ricky is still a thing. It's kind of changed a couple times. But, you know, the Pacers, we're seeing the guys around them grab these top picks, Fitzgerald um, and Caldwell, and now they get a first pick of their own. So how is the build looking for the Pacers? I mean, it's good. If he didn't have that bet with Ricky, he would have kept the tank. Now he adds Kubelik, who like is like a kind of light. He's gonna win him games, but he's gonna get absolutely murdered in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't love it. Like I get what he's doing. He's tired of like not making the playoffs, but I'm just not one that wants to treadmill. And that's what this roster is right now. You know, without knowing what Tate or Barnes or Ward or Frere come become, you're just kind of sitting. Like he, he added KB, who has like an insane amount of money left to be paid. So, like, where's he going to play? So he's going to bench one of his young kids. I don't know. Just a weird, yeah. weird roster. Like, he's likely in the playoffs, but like, I, I mean. They're never challenging any of the other two teams. Like, I, I think the Bucks sweep them in the playoff. Not sweep. Please tell you. But, like, I don't think it's a seven-game series. So. Yeah, I think Creasy's been definitely part of the tank and build uh, type of mentality. And he's been saying that he is, um, you know, not doing that anymore. He wants to stay competitive and retool on the fly. Obviously, the, the bet with Ricky, I'm sure, is – partly a way for him to keep himself active. And I think partly he's seeing it as a challenge to himself. Like, can he uh, do things this different way? I personally agree with you. I mean, it wouldn't be the way I would go. I'm not saying he has to try and win five games. I think that, you know, those days are kind of gone with the balanced lotto odds, but I, I don't understand like the, some of the moves. And I, I think that I would rather see what his young talent can do. Um, Obviously, he, he may still make trades. He probably averages like two or three trades a sim. So we might still get to see those young guys play this season if he makes more moves. But, um, yeah, a little confused about the direction right now. I agree with you. Yep, and I think we will be for a while. One team we're not not confused about is the next team that we're going to talk about in the Lakers. Yeah, so the, the question for the Lakers is, you know, a lot of pieces um, got sold off, at least a few. And the question is, is the lamp still on? And that referring to, obviously, Nipsey Lampkin. Like, are the Lakers, I mean, it's, I feel stupid asking this question, but are the Lakers going to be able to build around Nipsey Lampkin? Um, I'm leaning no. What are you thinking? I mean, I said no from the beginning. So, I mean, <laughs> I just did nothing that he does. Like, great. He wanted to set, trade two first for somebody that was usable, right? So he did, but then he disappeared for a season. So he couldn't make any other moves. He couldn't make fringe moves. His team wasn't good enough. Nipsey wasn't there yet. He adds Zion, who like I think he's thinking of Zion from the King or from the Kings from um, the Bulls, right? Instead of the Zion that he is now, where he's not the guy that's going to win you twenty games in a season on his own. So I think that it's a very. I mean, he's not going to listen, so we really don't have to speak speak about him much. Like he's got nothing. Like, can I? Sorry to cut you off, but since we're not really going to talk about the Lakers, can we just look at that Zion contract one more time? Like, good God. Oh. Well, I think that was said when he was signed. People were like questioning, like, 
I don't even know if I would have given him 20 flat, let alone. Now he's worth 20 flat. Don't get me wrong. I would pay if I, if go back in time, I would take him for five years at 20 a year. Right. But this is, and you got to pay him again next year. Like, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't know. He's not worth the 26. I can tell you that much. All right. Let's not waste any more time on that. Who's yeah. next? All right. We got uh, Auburn. Okay. And you know, this is how you can tell that these were kind of made early in the off season because the three word game for the Grizzlies was clawing for cap. And I was thinking that at some point this team is, you know, saving their cap space. I think they still do have a ton of cap next year. Um, but I was thinking that they were going to go a different direction with their cap space. They made some sort of long-term signings that I didn't love. They're not spending a ton cash-wise, so they definitely still have space to go out and get someone. But I don't know. Let me know what you think about these. Um, They're sort of buying a bunch of lottery tickets is what it looks like. Yeah, I mean, it felt like he's trying to do what, like, Goulet does, but Goulet picks better players to do this with. Like, um, the one guy that, like, kind of intrigued me, but, like, doesn't intrigue me. It's like a weird. There's two. There's Tracy Smith and Milo Tiano. Yeah, I like them both. Awkward skill sets, right? And he's paying them each two million a year. Like, God forbid one of them does get a massive progression. Like, he has, he gets a first for one of them. I just yep. would have given it for three years, not four. Like, I don't know. He paid Huck Stone Roots, who is twenty eight. Like, that's an awful contract. Granted, it's only four a year, but, like, oh, man. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm definitely nitpicking. I, I probably came across harsher than I needed to in the opening. But basically what I'm saying is kind of agreeing with you. Like, I know it's nitpicking, but three years to me just looks so much better than four. I know it doesn't make a big difference cash-wise in terms of cap space he has available. and But I just – I don't know. that Some of these guys – it doesn't look good. And, you know, this could be a moment where Allrin's going to, you know, save this tape and when one of these guys pops and makes us makes us look really stupid. But, um, you know, I hope it works out. I hope one of these guys pops. But I would have done three years. That's just me. Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't have done it. I've always been, I'm going to offer just the max or nobody. Or my own guys that, like, I need to keep. But, like, in free agency, I'm not a free agency guy. But I do like his rookie, Quincy Juice Quincy, the point guard. And then he got Birdie Store, too. So, like, he's got some fun guys. Yeah, and I, I should clarify. Like, I by no means think he's – I don't think he's handcuffed himself. Like, no. To, I don't think – I think his build is fine. I think that, you know, Sanger, that Sanger solo contract is coming off the books. I think they're going to be just fine. Um, I, I the, the UFA thing caught me off guard, but I like his young talent. I think the Grizz are – heading in a, in a fine direction right now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Moving on. We got the 76ers. All right. So the 76ers is a Congo, a no-go. So the, the, the 76ers um, decide to head into the post a Congo era. Um, you know, obviously Travis Kemp, who's still only 24. I feel like he's been in the league forever, but maybe that's just me um, is obviously the leader of the team now. And, you know, they've got Connor McBride, who is just a rebounding machine. And they've got some other nice pieces. They acquired Lancaster. So this team is heading into a new era where they're no longer trying to prove that a Congo can win a playoff series. 
what do you think about the uh, 76ers going into the season? I, I mean, I I have the same issue I've had with them for a couple of years. Like, they just don't have enough. Like, they, they got McFarland, but McFarland is <clears throat> slowly falling off. Like, he's still good, but he's not what he was. Tremita's, like, really – I like Tremita a lot, but – it's just not the right team around him. Like, I'm going to be interested to see what Hobbs does with Kemp and Tremita passing him the ball. Because he finally has, like, multiple passing options. And, I mean, you want to talk about stacking steals, right? They have yeah. 87, 92, 39, 67, 64, 45, 80. So, like, they have guys that will get the ball. So, it, it'll be an interesting team. I think they'll win a fair share of games just because I think Kemp is that good. But like, again, we're you want to you're not judging on the regular season. They're not winning a ton of playoff games. Yeah, like, I agree. I, and Easy. I love I yeah. love Arrow, right? Like I'm I'm a big fan. I love that he's active without being active, if that makes sense. Um but I think at some point he's gonna have to retool around Kemp and like a big way, and I just don't know that he has the, the ammo to do it. Like, he doesn't even have a second big name, you know? Like, as, as great as McBride is at rebounding, he literally does nothing. Yeah, you want to talk about expensive. We were talking about Trey Franklin. I mean, look at that, one two eight one. So that, that that's definitely, like, more of an experiment. I think he's just having fun with the rebounding, seeing what happens. I don't think he's, uh, he's planning to keep that moving forward, I would assume. Right, I agree. Yeah, uh, I, I like Lancaster. I know we got to move on, but um, no, I still get no. I still get absolutely sick when I see Craig Jones because of what the Bulls did to me. So that's I just uh. want to say. Um, all right, let's just move on. So I don't have to talk about that. Uh, who's next? Uh, you. All right. So the the three word game for the Lions. I mean, it's low hanging fruit, but we had to do it. It's the eye of the Tigalar instead of the eye of the tiger. <laughs> and so you know, the Lions finally add the big that they wanted. And so, you know, I'll let you go first. I I already talked about my team at the beginning a little bit. I'll let you go first. I mean, we've been saying this for years that you need to go find a a big, right? Like this isn't like some shock. The fact that I actually think, and this is going to sound weird. um, I actually think that Hervin and not getting signed benefits you greatly. Hmm. Um, So here's my reason. You're going to get a chance to sign him now, right? Right for next year, but you're not hard capped this year. If, yeah, he I see signs, if he signs, you're hard capped, right? If he signs like uh, I had to sign him to like a lower level contract. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, obviously the RFAs don't usually take those like you said. So he was the case of that. Right. But what I'm saying is now you're going to get the chance to extend him. I'm trying to do like quick math looking 20 minutes. Yeah, you're you're under. You're gonna get to sign him now, and not have this year go over the cap. The question's gonna be, what are you gonna do with Shabazz? So, I mean, looking at my numbers for next year, I've got eight guys signed for next year, and I'm 19 million under the hard cap. I mean, so even if I pay Shabazz the max, that's six. So I'll I'll still have 13 million to sign four guys. But that's if you don't. I mean, what are you going to do with Herman and not sign him? Yeah, if you don't keep Miko, exactly. So, right. you know, then you're going to be scrounging for like 0.72s and stuff like that. And, and I mean, of course, the other thing is every time I, I get panicked about my cap situation, I remember that I know we've been saying this for years and years, and that's something we can get into or not, but eventually Ajobi's going to move. So that four, that's $14 million that's 
not going to be there. But right. obviously, somebody's going to come back in that. Right. So it, it's you have a, a a nice window here. I mean, Bird and Diamond are signed to great contracts. Tiglar signed to probably one of the most cost-effective contracts in the league. Um, I, I I like where your team's at. I think that you're probably, <clears throat> if not the favorite, you're obviously the second. But like you have the pieces set to be ready when the Raptors aren't there, and I think that that's even bigger. Like Diamond, Bird, and Tig are all signed for four years now. Yeah, you know we might not, we might not um, get the Raptors this year, but you know hopefully at some point this year, next year, the year after, the idea is that we continue to rise as, um, and we have to do it pretty quickly because these other teams that we've talked about, some of them are getting better. So, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. Why don't keep moving? Yeah, um, I'm actually going to um, stop the recording. Okay, because I don't know if we're gonna lose it. Actually, we'll keep going. I'll see what happens at the one hour mark. I know when Andre invites somebody on, we can go past an hour. But when I do it by myself, you can't. Um, So we'll go on. We have the Warriors next. So the Warriors, the three-word game for the Warriors is not so golden. Um, You know, the Warriors retool a little bit on the fly. We kind of touched on it with the Bucs. They they have golden. You know, they have some pieces around him. McBrayer's obviously still there, and he was joking that, you know, I'm sure he's got a ton of offers from McBrayer over the years. He's managed to hang on to him. I don't think that they are expecting to make any noise this year. I think they acknowledge that they were making moves to take a slight step back, and I respect that in a way because I think that he took a sober look at his team and realized they were not going to um, be able to compete with the top uh, talent, so he's like, why not take a flyer on a couple of draft picks, which is not too unlike something that I did a few seasons ago. Um, but, you know, this this season might be a, a bit of a difficult one. He doesn't have his pick, and the Maynard is is pretty daunting, as we'll get into. Yeah, I I'm, I mean, he still does have Gillett, McBrayer, Golden. It's with Brunson at point guard. Like, it's not the worst team. Freeman yeah. is passable at center, right? Like, I think that they're not going to make noise, but I think that there's a real possibility they end up as, like, the eighth seed. Yeah, and I, I actually really didn't mind the move. I think that he got, you know, the, the Bucks are on the treadmill, like you said. I think he got a couple Bucks picks. Do I have that right? Uh, yeah, they got – well, they're not on the page here yet. His The 62 is, but nothing else is. So, I think he did get two. I think he got the 61 and the, and the 60. Yeah, so I, I like a lot of his pieces. Like you said, McGriff. Yeah. Yeah, I like a lot of his pieces. I like the fact that he was able to keep his main talent and yeah, add some picks, which who knows what will happen with those. So I definitely like the move. Like you said, it's a team that I think is definitely going to be competitive in the regular season. I don't think they're going to be a team that's going to maybe upset some of the top teams. But um, yeah, I think I think they're in a good spot. I, you know, Most of their top players are under 30. I don't think there's any need to rush anything with this team right now. Yeah, I think he's in a good spot, and I don't think that there's much to talk about. I think he's a 40-45 to 45 win team, and, you know, that'll be enough for this year probably. Yeah. So, All right, so we're keeping an eye on the clock here. We're approaching one hour, so I'll keep an eye on it, but I will get started with the next one. So who we got next? Uh, the Heat. All right, so the Heat. Uh, the three-word game for the Heat is 
late show Colbert. So, you know, the, the, the late progressions for Colbert coming in and the heat, there was obviously the whole thing about possibly trading him for a while. He was on the bench and now he has taken um, a pretty significant step forward. I don't have his progressions in front of me, but I think they were pretty noticeable. So how much does that elevate the heat? I mean, it elevates them. I think getting rid of, getting rid of Kubrick won't elevate them in the regular season per se, but I think it makes them a stronger team come the come the uh, playoffs. Um, Colbert got. Oh God, I'd have to go on my on my phone. I'll do that later and put him put him up. But he Colbert has become, you know, kind of what not what we thought, but he's something. Good rebounder, good defender. I wish he was just like a little bit more well rounded defensively, like. How much a difference he makes in my mind if he's like a six five eight instead of a five four eight? Like I'll tell you, Colbert right now actually looks like a plus four to two da plus two to the percentage, plus five and plus two for free throws, plus three and seven for rebounds, plus three for blocks, um, plus one for outside offense and post defense and transition defense. Yeah, so we got the bump to the eight eight pd, which is huge for him. I think that's yeah. a big, a big jump. Um, I, I, if he shoots to his percent, he's gonna be really good. Like, but that's the problem. He's had one year over. Oh, his first year was forty nine, then he was fifty three, and then he dropped, and that's when he regressed. And he's come off the bench. You know, it's kind of had a very weird, like, career. Like he played way more early on and just got worse. So he kind of got benched as as they made the move. Yeah, yeah, I was – I can't say that I follow all the teams in the other conference. So I think around that time, I was probably paying less attention. When I'm not competitive, I don't tend to watch the other conference too close. But So I was a bit surprised at the benching, but I think now they've definitely firmly decided he is the guy. Um, I think that, you know, he – Yes, based on the way JSP seems to go, I think the wings tend to naturally shoot more wings and point guards, is at least what I've found in, in most of my builds. So even when you see a guy, him and Gao, having comparable lineup, I still think Gao is going to carry them. Um, but, you know, Colbert gets to the line a ton. And if that defense continues to round out, I know Smath was a little bit underwhelmed with his defense uh, when he came out as a rookie. Based on the write-up, he thought he would be better. So... I think if Colbert can take a leap, he's still only 23. He came in at 18, so it just feels like we've been talking about him forever. Um, you know, this is probably your best chance, other than maybe the Jazz and the Thunder, if you're talking about who can potentially get into that top two or upset someone in the Maynard. Um, yeah. I don't think I'd pick them, but they're definitely, I mean, they're definitely probably better than they were last year. Yeah, I think that they have a better matchup with the Kings than the, the Knicks. Um but I, the Thunder, I don't think can be either one, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, mean, I It was talked about last night in the pod. Like, he's an awful matchup with the, the Kings, and the Knicks are just too talented. Like, the yeah. Kings, I think, swept them back-to-back years. Yeah, I'm just trying to give Goulet some, some credit. But, yeah, we, I know you guys talked about the matchup. But, um, you know, the other thing I will say about the Heat, and we'll move on after this, I guess, um, just to keep things rolling, is, you know, this is where I think sometimes the um, – Stuff you say in the chat, I wonder how much it impacts things. So, for example, 
I think this math, he has his, am I saying this right? He can trade his 62 or 63 now? Which one is it? The, he can trade his 62. Oh, but that's the only one he has. You know, what I was going to say is with how frustrated Smath has been by the build, you know, I know that if I see someone who's kind of frustrated in a build, I might value their picks more. So, for example, if Smath had his 62 available to trade somehow, even though his team has a great outlook, like I think his team is super talented, I could see a team willing to give a little bit more than they would, not seeing that as a guaranteed late first or thinking that maybe Smath might be willing to retool at that point. Um, but anyway, I guess it's a moot point because you can't move it. Right. Unless you get something back. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we keep moving on? I think the, the Heat are going to have a, a pretty good season this year for sure. They already won 61 games last year. Um, who do we got next? We got the Knicks. All right. So the Knicks, for those of you who watch the show, the, the three-word game for the Knicks is um, Corbin, your, your enthusiasm. So, you know, curbing your enthusiasm. And the, the question for the Knicks is, are the Knicks still just so good that are we just trying to create stories? And, you know, these are the two-time champs back-to-back. Uh, -back. Are other teams going to have to just settle for second place until the Knicks' older pieces kind of fall off? Um, uh, my first step is no, because um, I think that, like, if you were to put odds out, I think that, um, like for title odds, which is something I, I might do after Sim Wanderson too to see some games. Um, I think they're going to be. I think out of the four teams, right, that we would presumably put up top, um, the Kings are going to be last only because I don't love their matchup with the Knicks. As good as the Kings are, I just think that it's a real shitty matchup. And then I think that the Raptors and Lions are like super close. So they'd be even, and the Knicks would be the favorite only because I think that they're more likely to get out of the conference. But, like, I don't think that they're, like, a shoe in Like, I think that the Wheeler at addition for the Kings is, like, something worthwhile come playoff time with that defense. And then I think that what the, you know, the Raptors adding minor and the Lions adding Tig, like, all three teams got better. And he just, he, he didn't because he couldn't do anything. So, like, for us to think that – I mean, he, he won in game seven twice. So, let's not act like if three different shots went in, you know, he could be one and one, and we're talking about the Raptors having four already. So, oh, for sure. Yeah, and, you know, the, the three-word game is not, like, necessarily my opinion. It's just kind right. of – if, you know, if there was Twitter, for example, for our league, it's like what would kind of the talk be around this team? And, you know, I think the question for this situation is whenever you have a team that's won back-to-back, -back, it's like is anyone else even worth – bringing up in the question, I think in this situation, the answer, like you said, is, is yes. I think they do have legit competition. Yeah, and I think that if you were to play out a hundred times, right, presume that 10% of that time, it's not those four teams. So out of the 90%, I would assume that they win it like 30 and the other teams win it 20. But mm -hmm. I really don't I think that we're looking at a much smaller set. Like I think in a one one season sim, we're not going to have ten percent of the chance be a team not those four. So I think that their chance is probably like thirty five, forty percent to go back to back to back. Yeah, and you know when you're talking about title odds, um, it's interesting you say that because 
I think on paper, if I were ranking these teams, I can't remember exactly what order you said they would go in, but if, you know, if I was looking at these teams on paper, I would probably have the Knicks as my favorite if there were no conferences. Um, but you know, given the the conferences, whoever you think is better out of the Raptors or the Lions might actually have the most pressure on them in terms of betting odds, just because I don't think that other than we we went through the conference, other than the Bucks and maybe the um, Hornets. I don't think there's too, too much else that you're worried about in Landros for those two teams if you're healthy. Am I, right? I, don't think, I don't think you're worried about the Hornets yet. They don't have a second scorer. So, like, come playoff time, you're going to be able to shut down the Congo. You, you yeah, know, so, I mean, in terms of odds, I think those teams might have a little bit more pressure on them just because of the conference they're in, like you said. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, granted, I do think that the, the Knicks and Kings are both probably – what right now without seeing stuff maybe slight favorites in the finals over either team and have to really like dive in but i think that the kings just i think if you put the kings on landros i think they would have beaten the raptors last year like i really like that team they definitely could have and yeah and when i say like betting odds again it's just because the i think the maynard path is a little bit tougher and if you were looking at it without conferences just like a four-team battle royale i i think the knicks and the the king might actually be one and two in some order but right uh performances play a role yeah all right moving on we got ricky in the blazers all right we got ricky and so this one was obviously old and it's kind of fitting because we you guys touched on this a little bit on the pod yesterday and ricky had some thoughts on it in the in the uh, gm chat and the three-word game for the Blazers is calling out Caldwell. And so not necessarily pressure on Ricky, but, you know, thinking about it from a league perspective, when you have a guy like Caldwell come in, he's the first, I'd say, big-name rookie in Portland in the last one I can remember, honestly. I don't remember if they've ever had one like this before. And so, you know, that city, small market, is there's going to be a lot of pressure on Caldwell to prove that he can be the guy and that, you know, the Blazers management can put the pieces around him. Uh, they're not a team that historically is going to tank any longer than they have to. Um, and so there's going to be pressure on him to, I think, elevate his game pretty quickly uh, because they're going to be a playoff team in short order, maybe even this year uh, in all likelihood. And so he's just going to have to elevate because he's not necessarily going to have them drafting that second piece top five in the in the first round anymore like some other rookies get. Yeah, and um, he's put together kind of a fun team around him too, if we're being honest. Um, he signed Obed. He signed Ackley. He still has Phillips, who he drafted with Caldwell. Um, he's got Sheen Jackson. He, he drafted that guy Flowers, who – it's like not somebody Ricky typically has, which is like a three and D type player. And then he, he traded for that guy, Rashad Walker that we talked about last year that just kind of like does stuff, but isn't great. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see, like he, I think he said in the group chat today too, he doesn't even have minutes for Bapple and he really likes Bapple. So I think trying to figure out his, I think the reason that he won't be pushing for like a four or five seed, because I don't think he really knows the best rotation. And I think it's going to take him a few Sims. Yeah. You know, I think that the, the thing that the, the Ricky has going for him is he is 
probably the most active in terms of being in chat. Like he'll always let you know who's available and who he's trying to move and he'll get deals done. So I think that, you know, you look at Jackson, I think that was a good value trade for them. Um, they didn't really have to give up something that I don't have to trade in front of me, but I don't think they gave up anything that was earth shattering uh, for them moving forward. Um, so yeah, I like the direction this is heading. Oh, um, so I've just found out that 